Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. We are back after what feels like a very long break. Obviously, we didn't have the second show of the week last week, but we are back this week to a regular scheduled programming. A little off in terms of the days. Uh, we were going to cover just uh, basketball today. We've got three basketball games to cover and, of course, a lot of news both on and off the court over this last week or so. Um, so we're going to do just basketball and, and touch on some football cleanup stuff at the end. And then after that, uh, coming out on Friday, we're going to record Thursday night, and we're going to do a senior bowl recap and uh, do an offensive line preview with Owen Reese. Obviously, Owen used to host the podcast and is going to hop back on because he knows the expertise in that. And he was down in Mobile, Alabama, covering the senior bowl, and, and it looks like he got some good content out of that. So we're going to have him on. And we'll do a full uh, football podcast that will be coming out on Friday. Uh, so just giving you guys a little rundown. But other than that, we are back to talk some hoops. Matt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. You know, it was just kind of a, an odd 24 hours of basketball uh, really upon us this this week. But um, it's good to hear your voice again and get back to the the normal uh, the normal two a day or uh, two a week uh, show schedule. Yeah, I know. I missed you. I missed the I missed the podcast for sure. It felt like a a long break, but uh, I'm glad to be back. And obviously, we've got a, a lot to talk about in these these last three games. There was uh, a couple ups, and of of course, a lot of downs and, and turmoil. So that's that's stuff that we got to cover. But let's start with the uh, obviously the Nebraska game. The last time we talked was after the the Michigan State game, and obviously that game didn't go great for the Badgers. But we already kind of got into that. Uh, but we said, you know, coming into this next three-game stretch that you know, Nebraska was probably going to be the easiest one to get. And obviously, you know, the scoreboard reflected that, and the Badgers, you know, came away with a win pretty easily against, you know, a, com- a team that is, is really in the bottom of the conference, not playing well. I think there were 7-12 seven and, seven and 12 after that game and, uh, and not really doing anything too special. So it was good to get a, a solid win for the Badgers that, that day. I think it was last Tuesday. But what did you see from Wisconsin in that Nebraska game that kind of seemed to, you know, right the ship and get them a quality win? You know, I, th- I thought really they did a really nice job with ball movement. I thought that that was, in a lot of ways, the story of the game. I know a lot of people will point to the school record 18 three-pointers made, but a big reason for that was their ab- ability to pass the ball, distributed really well. They had uh, 23 assists. They, they did a nice job of moving the ball quickly, not um, st- uh, stalling at times. Uh, making sure that things were spaced nicely. They utilized the skip pass a lot more, which opened up some of those three-point uh, shots. And they were they still held their own, um, especially later in the second half defensively after uh, Nebraska did some nice things to open up the lane in the first half against the Badgers. So I think they made some nice adjustments, and then they obviously just shot the ball a lot better, which was great to see, and get a little home cooking is not so, not so bad. Yeah, I mean, after that game, you you know they shot 46 percent from the field, fifty two point percent from from three, and obviously we've talked about it so many times this season on on the poor shooting nights that the Badgers have had. Obviously, a lot more poor shooting nights than than good shooting nights. It it felt like this was a game where 
the Badgers, like we kind of talked about coming into it, could could kind of right the ship in terms of getting a win, but also getting some shots to fall, which is something that they've they've had uh, struggle with. They, they, that's probably one of their better shooting nights of the season. Uh, so to to get some shots to fall, it really seemed like that was gonna help help this team maybe turn around as they entered, you know, another two game stretch that was tough, and obviously another one coming up after those. So. I was I was impressed with it uh, in terms of the offense, like you mentioned. I think they played really sound basketball, you know, team-wise, which is what we're used to kind of seeing from Wisconsin team. Uh, you know, the leading scorer was Brad Davison with with 14 points, so everybody kind of contributed, which is kind of what you're used to seeing from Wisconsin basketball teams of old. A lot of guys in you know low double digits, but everybody seeming to contribute. Yeah, and and it was it was great. I thought they played really well. Um, like I said, I think the big thing was. Also, turning around some of their defensive efforts, Wisconsin was getting killed inside um, on the dribble drive, and Wisconsin's help defense was non-existent in that first half. For them to bounce back, bring that up, bring that around a little bit, you saw, I thought Nate Reavers did a better job uh, in help def- defense. Um, and But then, you know, you go out the next game, and it, it's a completely different team and obviously a different environment. The Cole Center hasn't been nearly raucous uh, this season, um, other than – maybe that Maryland game to, or mm-hmm. the Indiana game. But I think, you know, coming forward, that uh, game against Michigan State will hopefully be a little bit better. But in the end, Wisconsin did was able to feed off the crowd at the end when the Badgers started to pull away and were really getting into, hey, this team is probably going to set a school record from three-pointers. So I, I think it was a it was a good game. It was a game that kind of, I think, like a lot of Wisconsin sports builds your hopes down before they ultimately just shatter you and punch you in the face. But um, it was, it was definitely a a good way to kind of bounce back after, you know, a a tough stretch there as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it it felt like a get right game, which is kind of something that both you and I alluded to that the Badgers really needed, you know, in this stretch of tough games, you need some cupcakes in this conference and you really don't have a lot. I mean, you've got Northwestern and Nebraska, but aside from that, you know, every team in this league is pretty tough. And, you know, when you've got, you know, I was just working on my bracketology post. There's there's 12 Big Ten teams in the tournament right now. So that just shows you that this this conference is deep. So when you get a you know, get a game where you can take advantage of a lesser team, you know, a, a very sub 500 team like Nebraska, you got to do it. And, you know, the, the shooting was good. Obviously, the defense wasn't great, but they, they did enough to to beat that team. And it, it kind of seemed like a momentum builder coming into this two game stretch of, of road games with Purdue and Iowa. But unfortunately for the Badgers, uh, they weren't able to hold on to that. So let's let's talk a little bit about that Purdue game next. You know, like like we already said, it, it was a momentum builder going into that game. And obviously playing at Purdue is always a tough place for Wisconsin. But what did you see was was kind of the biggest difference from uh, that Nebraska win to that pretty ugly Purdue loss? They ran into an absolute freaking bugs buzzsaw in that one. I mean, I know Mackey Arena can be tough, um, but it looked you saw players just looking wide eyed in the, in that game. It looked like they just couldn't settle in at the beginning. Everything that was going right offensively for the Badgers in the first game went absolutely swung the the opposite direction. The Badgers Badgers shot seven to twenty-two from three-point range. They were zero for eight in the first half, and they couldn't get a. a so you saw some spacing issues where guys were um, right on top of each other. You saw them 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 not passing the ball nearly as well. We saw them relying on the pick and roll a lot more, and and just kind of a lot of standing around. It was it reminded me of you know what you see in some some high school basketball where it's like all right hero ball one guy let's see if he can 
he can make the shot and settle for a jump shot. And that's that's not how you're going to win in the Big Ten. They didn't go inside the, um, nearly enough, I felt. And so that was a really frustrating game. I think it was obviously frustrating for the team as well. But for for them to just kind of come out the first half and lay an absolute egg, they righted the ship a bit in the second half, played better. But it wasn't enough. They dug themselves way too big of a hole in that first half. Yeah, they really did. I mean, the and it, it really wasn't a, a game that, you know, I, and I didn't catch the whole thing. I caught a little bit of the second half, but when I was watching through the highlights, it just didn't feel, you know, right out of the gates that, that the Badgers, you know, some some nights you just have have it. You know, I don't know if there's a certain word you can give it, but some nights you've got it and, and some nights you don't. And, and it just seemed like a game that Wisconsin, you know, right from the jump just was not was not there and, and not focused and, and not ready to to compete against a, you know, a quality Purdue team. Obviously, Purdue's battling for their own uh, tournament positions, currently kind of sitting on the bubble right now, but they showed, uh, they flexed their muscle and, and really dominated the Badgers, you know, in terms of rebounds. That was the one that stuck out to me when I, when I looked through the stats of, of just, you know, 42 rebounds to 16, you know, or 42 to 16, and then, you know, Purdue brought down 16 offensive rebounds compared to the Badgers too. I mean, the Boilermakers and, and granted they've got some some solid bigs that that can grab some rebounds and they'll probably win the rebounding battle against a lot of teams in the Big 10, but the Badgers, you know, they just they just got cleaned up up and down the floor on each side in terms of rebounding and it, it's hard to win games if you're only grabbing two offensive rebounds in comparison to a team that grabs 16. I mean, that's a lot of second chance points to give a team on, on any night. Yeah, I mean, the Badgers have statistically been the worst rebounding team in the Big Ten all season long at just just hovering around that 33 rebounds per game. So it, that wasn't like a crazy surprise. But, man, for them to just get manhandled the way they did, like you said, a huge discrepancy w- was frustrating. And it wasn't necessarily, hey, it's not like it was Matt Harms, who's seven foot three, getting all the rebounds. He had he had three on the night. It was mm-hmm. it was freaking uh, Evan Boudreaux who is like he looks like he should be playing pickup games as a 50 year old out there and he was getting the rebounds so they were just severely outworked by a team and it was frustrating you know Travion Williams is a big dude I understand him getting some boards and pushing pushing around in there but you can't let a guy like Evan Boudreaux just get his boards get make the plays that he was doing um you know he was plus 27 on the night because of um, his effort. It, it wasn't anything where he's a talented, uberly skillful player. He's good, but he's not the type of player that should be putting up uh, putting up 10 and 13 on you um, as a reserve uh, forward. And and for the Badgers just to score 15 points in that first half is just unacceptable. Um, you know, it's just you can't you can't come out flat like they did. And for to also throw in 12 turnovers. Um, and and then just not be able to get anything going um, on the boards. It was a recipe for disaster on the road. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if, if listeners, if you don't know who Evan Bergeron is, if you didn't answer the game, you know, he's a guy that literally, you know, you've probably played against an Evan Bergeron <laughs> type guy in your pickup league, and and to allow him to have a double double, and, and granted, he is he is a lot. <laughs> he doesn't maybe look like the most talented player, but he is a pretty solid. Uh, rotation player for Purdue, and but but not a guy who should be putting up a, a double double on you. So uh, certainly a frustrating game uh, on all accounts. After a, after putting together a game against Nebraska that you felt you know coming into this game in in Mackey Arena that 
would, would give them some positive momentum. But in terms of the offense in that game, nobody really nobody really shined, and I think that's part of the Badgers' problem is that they don't have you know one dominating guy that that seems to step up when they really need a bucket. And and you kind of saw that in in spurts in that second half where, like you mentioned, not a lot of scoring, not a lot of contributions from anybody. You know, a couple double digit guys and Trice and Reavers, but overall it was it was just back to the same old same old of of really some tough possessions and stretches in the, you know, in the second half for the Badgers on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And I, I honestly thought that um, both Micah Potter and Dimitri Trice should have been more aggressive hunting their shot. You know, Trice only took six shots, made four of them, ended up with 11 points. And you, you see Micah Potter, he took seven, you know, granted he only played 13 minutes uh, as, as he kind of dealt with some stuff, but like, they got to do better. Those two guys are really featured, especially given kind of some of the turmoil that's going on with the team. So they've got to be do more when they're out on the court offensively to really spark this team. And, you know, Wisconsin had both Travion Williams and Matt Harms in foul trouble out of this game for large chunks of that of the time. And it w- usually you would think, hey, this would be the time when basically the best two players on that Purdue team are off the court and the Badgers just couldn't convert. They weren't able to take advantage of that. And it was, it was frustrating. And I, ex- I didn't expect the Wisconsin to go into Purdue and win that game. Personally, uh, Mackey's really tough place. They haven't won there since what, like 2004 or something. Yeah. So for, I did, wasn't expecting miracles here, but I, I was expecting a better game. And they did that in the second half where they, they only would have lost. If you, you play that game, um, you know, the second half over twice, you only lose by two points. So mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things where it can't be, hey, we're going to take a 20-minute shift off and then come out and, and try to figure it out from there. It's, that's not how it works uh, in in right. basketball. Yeah, especially when you don't have the offensive firepower to do that. You know, the Badgers are you know, similar to the football team in some regards. They they like to to get a lead and, and burn clock and, and sit on the ball a little bit and but in basketball, it doesn't work. it doesn't work that well if you don't have the offensive firepower to bring you back in a game, and and the Badgers just did not have that, and and things will really have to get corrected here down as down the stretch here because they've got Purdue again coming up soon, and and really you know with the uh, with the loss with, to them and Iowa, you know you and I kind of agreed that if they were able to win two of three in the stretch, they'd be good, you know, be in good shape. So to lose two of three in that stretch really puts them in a tough position because they've got another tough stretch coming up. Uh, but it's kind of make or break once again. You know, they, they this team seemed to right the ship a little bit and, and got on a nice run. And now, you know, things have, have both on and off the court kind of taken a turn. So it, it's a type of season, a type of position where they're at, where it's it's make or break. I mean, you can't, you can't drop too many more games or you're really going to be, you know, putting yourself in a tough position to make the tournament. Yeah, you want to get into that Iowa game a little bit because I think I think Wisconsin righted a lot of the wrongs from that Purdue game in the Iowa game, but then some of the other glaring things that have happened this season also reared their heads once again, I feel. Yeah, let's talk about that Iowa game. Obviously, a pretty good game back and forth for for the duration of it. You know, the Badgers led most of the game, which when you see the final score is is one of the most frustrating parts. Uh, you know, really 
a first half that was, you know, it was 30-30 at halftime, and but really it was it was one of the uglier first halves of halves of basketball in general I've ever seen. You know, neither team shot the ball well. Um, but what did you just kind of overall take of take from from this Iowa game? You know, I thought they did a lot better job on the boards. Iowa is kind of uh, upper middle of the pack in terms of rebounding. I thought Wisconsin did a lot better job of that. I thought there was some, you know, back and forth with some calls that didn't go Wisconsin's way that really hurt them. And I'm not talking about the Brad Davison uh, stupid play that happened there. I'm talking about, like, just some of the scrummy type stuff that was going on in the second half that led to um, the huge, huge free throw discrepancy of, uh, Iowa shooting 32 compared to Wisconsin's 11. Um, part of that is scheme. Iowa went to the rack. Wisconsin settled for a lot of jump shots and, and for the most part did a fairly good job in scoring other than the, the, the last like seven minutes or so. Um, but I, I think Wisconsin just had their opportunities and in the end they couldn't make the, the final, um, plays, um, to put the ball in the hoop, which is what basketball comes down to. And they made some silly errors. Uh, that one pass where it was just freaking 30, 30 uh, rows up into the into the um, court side was just pathetic uh, when they tried to break the zone. So those are things you can't do when you're on the road and you've got a lead and you're trying to just salt it away. And they just weren't able to make the plays necessary. Yeah, it was just really an utter collapse because if you look at the first, the, you know, the first half they played okay. Obviously, it, it was ugly on both ends of the floor, but you, you kind of have to give some credit to to both defenses in that regard. And then in that second half, they got it up to a 12-point lead with with not a lot of time left. Where you're just thinking, okay, I mean, you know, let's let's salt this thing away. Let's put you know put some buckets in enough to maintain. And they just weren't able to do that. You know, the, the Hawkeyes just went on a you know a run late in the game. The Badgers were not able to answer in, in any regard. And, you know, obviously you, you talked about the turnover and, and the momentum switch. I, I think part of it is you got to give credit to the Iowa coaching staff. They, they made some changes and some adjustments and, and put some pressure on the Badgers to, to make some plays and, and they didn't. And obviously adjustments are, are huge in basketball and, and the Badgers just really didn't do it. And it, defensively, it was a pretty solid game. It was just it was just about making some plays at the end to win it, and and that's what separates a middle of the pack ten team, you know, a middle of the pack Big Ten team, to a to a top tier team like Iowa. You know, they're they're the second highest team in terms of seeding right now, and and they've got probably the the conference player of the year in Luca Garza. So to to have a twelve point lead against them on the road is great, but they just you you got to find a way to finish games like that. Yeah, and I mean, they held that lead with only seven minutes to play. And Iowa went on a big 12-0 run, you know, with like two minutes left. And that was kind of what happened. Wisconsin uh, just kind of faltered down that stretch. And I was, I thought for the most part, the defense did a good job. But there was some fast break uh, things that Iowa got that were just, were just terrible. I You saw just kind of multiple guys just olaying as guys went down the lane. I think it, I remember one, it was, both Brad Davison and Brevin Pritzel refused to slide their feet to get in the way of a guy. Instead, just tried to swipe at the ball, and it was an easy layup for Toussaint. And then you also saw multiple times where Luca Garza would just run down the court faster than our bigs and get in position. They'd throw it to him, and he'd 
just be able to lay it right in. And you can't do that against a really good player. Um, and it wasn't that they out-talented the Badgers, but they just ran the court on them uh, on a couple occasions. I think it was like six bass or uh, six points that they got out of it. And if you look at the fast break points, Wisconsin had four, Iowa had 25. It's indicative of it. So Wisconsin just kind of collapsed those last those last seven minutes and it was hard to watch because you've seen this storybook before and it's, it makes you want to rip it apart. Yeah, exactly. And when you, you mentioned the, the fast break points, it's not like this Iowa team is, is an overly athletic or, 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 you know, run and gun type team They're They've got some players that can get up and down the court, but they're nothing compared to some of these other teams in, in, in the nation that, that really push the ball and push the temple. So a, a lot of that is just, not, I would almost say lack of effort because I'm sure the effort was put at just uh, you know a lackadaisical you know stretches that that can't happen. Maybe you can get away with that against lesser tier teams, but you're not going to get away with that against a you know a top 25 team in their home arena that that's got quality guys on the roster. And that's just more so you know Iowa taking advantage of of some really you you could call it bonehead defense by the Badgers, which which eventually came back to bite you that you saw in terms of the final score yeah for sure and but I, I do I mean I, I'm gonna throw it out there the the foul discrepancy is quite alarming I mean 28 to 15 for the game is is isn't usually what you see in the Big Ten and uh, I know uh, Greg Gard was pretty frustrated by that after the game but those are things that you've got to just be able to surmount and you got to be able to push through um, and not put yourself in a position where you're gonna get some some cheap fouls because there was times where they resorted to fouling instead of, Hey, I'm going to actually hold my ground. I'm going to put my hands up and actually stop you from getting this layup instead of just trying to swipe at it where they'd get an and one or an easy and one really. Yeah. The, the, the fouling, the the discrepancy of fouls is frustrating. And it seems like, and maybe I'm just grasping at straws and trying to make sense of it, but it, it seems like every time the Badgers go to Iowa, that they, they're on the wrong end of, of some pretty big calls. And that's not saying that, that the Badgers are, that people are out to get them. It just seems like every time that these two kind of square off in Iowa city, it just seems to go against them. And obviously it's frustrating, but, but really I think fans have to take that as part of it, but it can't be the sole blame. I saw a lot of Badgers Twitter that was, was essentially on the reps, but, if you if you put in some baskets in that final seven minute stretch, you probably still win that game despite you know the, the whistle being in favor of the Hawkeyes, which really is the most frustrating part because you you had a team that's a top twenty five top twenty five team on the ropes in their home on their home court and and uh, against a, a refing crew that was not on your side, and you had that opportunity to beat them and, and still to come out on the wrong end, that one's going to leave a pretty sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, especially when you're a team that, that might be fighting in that bubble position in the, over the next few weeks. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's, it's fairly telling that they, they came back, um, bounced back nicely after that Purdue loss um, to, to put up such a good fight. I thought they overall, they, they, tried really hard. They hustled. I mean, if you look at it, you're, you're without your uh, second leading score. You're your guy who's played second most minutes per game um, in Kobe King. You're, you have a 12 point lead with seven minutes to go. I mean, you're, you're just like 
through the moon at that point. So it, it's it's not always lost in this. They played a, a hell of a lot better, but it, it is still frustrating as as a fan. Um, uh, and you know, I'm sure for fans to watch and see that is is just makes you want to rip your hair out. So, um, it, but there it is not all lost. There's a lot of season left to go, and Wisconsin has a lot of um, opportunities to bolster their resume moving forward because the Big Ten is so um, stout, and there's so many good teams uh, readily available to go against. Yeah, you know, let's get into that a little bit because that's what I, I kind of wanted to talk to you about. Obviously, the Badgers. Uh, and I know a lot of people are you know, waking up today with with the Brad Davison stuff, with the Kobe King stuff, which we'll get into a little bit, and the two-game losing streaks, and the sky on Wisconsin fan bases was pretty dark. But in terms of, of current seating, the Badgers are, are in a comfortable, not comfortable spot, but in an okay spot at this point, just given the way they started, so... How big is this, you know, next this next tough stretch of games in terms of taking on teams that are battling, like I said, on the bubble position with Purdue, Michigan's a team that they've got coming up that's on the bubble, uh, and Minnesota is coming up, and and they're uh, I think they were the last four in. So positioning wise, how important is this next stretch of games? Oh, it's huge. I mean, you you got ten games left. This is this is kind of put up or shut up time, and they I you look at the schedule and it sets up actually fairly nicely for them, for them to have a chance to, to win, you know, six or seven games out of this. Wouldn't be surprised to see eight. Um, you know, I think that Michigan state game is going to be really tough, I, but at the same time you get a win there and man, your resume looks really, really good compared to a lot of other teams that are kind of in that middling range trying to make the tournament. So that's a game that would really go a long way. But like you said, you got Minnesota home and home, you know, it's, you got Ohio state, now at Nebraska, which you better win that one or you're going to lose a lot of a lot of people. Um, but then you get Purdue and Rutgers at home, too. So and Northwestern home. So it's some really winnable games if you're able to go out and, and play the basketball that you're capable of. And Wisconsin's been a very different team at home this season. So if they can go out there and kind of sweep or even win all of them but that Michigan State game, I think they're going to put themselves in a really nice spot to make the tournament. But it's it's going to come down to can they steal a couple road games, which we know are very tough in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at it, six of the last ten are at home, and, and one of the road games is that Nebraska game. So you're in a favorable position uh, in terms of having that home court advantage. And like you mentioned, if you, you drop that Michigan State game and, and win that road game against Nebraska, you know, you kind of keep yourself afloat. Uh, and then you've got some quality teams, you know, that, that you're going to take on in the in the Purdue's, the Rutgers, who's now a top 25 team, Minnesota, who's in there. So if you can really handle your business against the teams you're supposed to handle your business against, I think it still looks pretty favorable for them to be in the big dance. And of of course, you've got the Big Ten tournament that'll add on to that. If you can win a couple games in there, I think it looks favorable. But but it's got to start right now. You don't have any games to work with at this point. Yeah, no, yeah, it's definitely um, ready to roll. You've got to be good, um, and and that kind of leads to hopefully making sure that. Kobe King's back or figuring out that situation um, sooner rather than later so that the team can either continue moving forward or move on and, and kind of get everything going because it's that game Saturday is absolutely monumental and it gives the Badgers a huge opportunity. Um, you know, I know 
Um, Paul Chris consistently talks about opportunities, and I know Greg Gard at this point is really trying to make sure that they can see if they can uh, upset Michigan State and take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, that would be a big one. And obviously, you know, the Cole Center on Saturday afternoons, like we've mentioned already, is is a place where Wisconsin has has been able to pull off upsets before. But that's this would be a big one uh, to make or break this season and and really put them in a favorable spot. Uh, let's talk about the the two incidences, both on and off the court. Obviously, on the court in that Iowa game was was the Brad Davison situation. Uh, getting through that screen, you know, kind of grabbing at uh, a leg, groin area of the Iowa player, uh, ended up getting a you know a technical foul called on that, and and it wasn't a situation where it was super, you know, in a situation where it really hurt them, but it, it certainly didn't help as they were trying to close it out coming down the stretch. So this is now really the third instance of of Brad Davison getting into hot water for. For some less than ideal plays, and, and like Drew said on uh, his Twitter account last night, a, a dirty player and, and some dirty plays. So, what did you make of of that whole situation in the in the late stretches of that game? Yeah, I mean, it was that was a really frustrating play because I think that it was just stupid, really. Um, you know, it's it's one thing if this was the first thing time that Brad Davison has had something like this happen. At this point, it, it's 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 there. It's a thing. It's something to to talk about and that fans are aware. He's he's still um, a Wisconsin Badger, so you root for him. You you. But at the same time, you've he put the team in a bad situation there by making that decision to try to do that sweep through move. I mean, you think of like an edge rusher getting around, they usually do that sweep through move, but you're not putting it between somebody's legs as you're trying to swim around it. So he, he, I mean, I don't see any way that your hands just getting caught in there. Um, you know, having played basketball at the high school level, I don't, it's not something you do. Um, but I also know that in high school basketball, you can do some subtle things that usually the refs won't catch and, and do some stuff that, you know, to maybe have a, a what would be considered a moving screen or other things to to subtly get by and kind of cause give yourself an advantage. But if you've got replay readily available, you can't be making those type of plays, especially when, and at that point, Wisconsin was was within a one possession game. They had the opportunity to go down and tie that ball game if they get a stop. For him to for him to put the team in that situation, I thought was really uh, not well thought through. I, I thought that he should have done something different. Um, didn't need to make that play at the time. Um, so that was frustrating to see. Um, they'll have to move on from it. It's one of those things where I know a lot of fans from other teams don't like Brad Davison. He he's he's makes some huge plays for this team, and he's done some amazing things. And he's really a usually a, a unselfish player. When you saw what he did his freshman season dealing with that dislocated shoulder and really pushing through it. Um, but he can't, he can't keep putting the team in that type of a situation because it, it hurts them in the end. And and that's not the way um, I know he wants to be portrayed in the media. That's not how Greg guard wants the team to be portrayed in the media. So he, he's got to continue to be thoughtful of that and not uh, put himself in those situations. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's the third time it's happened and uh, he's, He's made some great plays for the Badgers in terms of, you know, you think to that Maryland game, that defensive, you know, genius play, and then to hit the game-winning shot there, that that was huge. And that's what the, the situations where you want to think of Brad Davison in that light and and not the light of, you know, the the, the dirty plays or the cheap shots and things like that. So uh, I'm sure that game was a little chippy, and I'm sure frustrations kind of mounted 
uh, as that went on. You know, Iowa and Wisconsin are, are, are a big rival and as, you know, as big a rival as, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota is. So maybe even more so in basketball in that regard. So it's it's pretty important to these guys. And I know tensions kind of boil, but like you said, just can't happen. Can't put your team in an unfavorable position. But at the same time, you know, I don't think any punishment's going to come from it. It was handled on the court. So now it's time to move on and just kind of clean up their act and focus on on winning basketball games. And obviously a big part of winning basketball games is going to be getting possibly getting back, you know, a Kobe King. There's a, obviously a situation kind of turmoiling with him. He did not travel with the Badgers to Iowa City last night. So, Matt, what do you make of, of that whole situation? And, and what do you think of, of just how Kobe King is, is dealing with things? And, and where do you see this maybe going uh, here in the future? You know, I don't want to postulate too much on what's going on with him personally. I know uh, you, um, Jeff Patrikas went ahead and said that there was some things that he's not happy with the direction of the team. Um, you know, then the university came out with a statement saying that he was attending to personal matters. So it's like, it's hard to know what's really going on in a, you know, a young person's mind. You know, he's in the end of the day, he's, you know, 21 years old. So it's, it's hard to really know. And it's hard to fault a kid. Um, I think anybody could be frustrated um, with with some of the things. You know, I know he went 0 for 5 against Purdue, had a had a really tough game for him personally. Um, but I, I would I wouldn't want to ever see a player kind of just um, leave his team or you know not be there for his teammates, even if he's dealing with stuff. Not you know I I'm hoping it's not an off the field matter in terms of health or family stuff. So, um, but rather just, he's trying to get his head right and ready to, to hopefully rejoin the fold, but you never know. I mean, transfers happen, different things go on and, you know, he's, he has the, every right to his own decision. I think, you know, if he were to transfer, it'd be kind of odd timing because he'd have to sit out until this time next year, which just doesn't make any sense. Like you're basically taking away the majority of your, your uh, junior season. So Wisconsin's style of play hasn't changed. He he knew what he was signing up for. I, I'm guessing there's some frustrations maybe in his role um, or how he's being utilized. But I think he also at times needs to be more aggressive with the ball in the post. So who really knows? I don't want to speculate on as to what's actually going on with him or what he's going to do, but in turn, he's got options and we'll see kind of what he uh, ultimately decides. Yeah, exactly. You know, you mentioned it, you don't, you don't want to speculate and you wish you hope the kid gets into the situation that he's most comfortable in, no matter you know what, no matter the on the on the court stuff, and uh, if if it is that that he's frustrated, like you said, I I can't really you can't really blame him. I think this whole program and fan base is a little frustrated right now with with how it's gone. But you know, I think for for collectively as the group, they still do have a chance to to come together and and get this thing worked out. And uh, at the end of the day, it's just kind of a wait and see. Like you can't really you can't really read into it too much if you don't know all the details and. If, if Kobe King rejoins the team, that's great. And obviously you want him because he's a, he's a really talented player and a, a big contributor for this team. But if he feels the situation is, is better, you know, similar to any, well, anyone transferring or anyone, you know, that, you know, we talk about recruits that decommit and 
go to another school. You want guys to to enter their comfortable position and, and be as comfortable as they can because they are young kids. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, just just how this whole thing plays out. Yeah, so I we'll we'll see. I mean, it's just kind of a wait and see. Uh, at this point, nobody's, you know, I I know the Badger the Badger basketball team is pretty tight knit about everything, and I know the players were pretty surprised by what happened, as as I know fans were, and I know I was. Um, but it's just a wait and see right now because really this is his decision. His he's got to just figure out what's uh, what's in his best interest or what he what's wrong with what's going on with him personally or dealing with things. So wish him the best of luck and hope uh, ultimately got to hope that he rejoins the team and that is, um, you know, back to normal because I think that would be in the best interest of the program. Um, but you, but you never know. Yeah, exactly. Well, guys, we're going to talk a little bit of football here uh, just after we're going to work into a couple quick ads and then we'll clean up the end of the show with some football news. All right, guys, so we've already talked a little bit about the Kobe King situation and about a possible you know, departure, and hopefully that's not the case, but we do have some football uh, departures that, that we need to touch on. Obviously, these last few weeks, some guys have been at, you know, declaring for the draft. You know, We had Aaron Cruikshank, who you know, announced his intent to transfer uh, and enter the portal and ended up going to Rutgers, and now we have a couple other uh, departures for the Badgers. Uh, the, the first being the tight end Seth Kearns announced that he was going to enter the transfer portal. And then, of course, uh, running back Bradrick Shaw, who's who's battled through a lot during his career at Wisconsin, announced that uh, same situation. So, Matt, what did you make of the news for both of those guys? You know, I think it actually makes a lot of sense for Bradrick Shaw. He's a guy who's, like you said, endured a lot um, for this team, really um, took a back seat when Jonathan Taylor came on campus after having such a nice uh, redshirt freshman year where he almost ran for 500 yards and five touchdowns. And, you know, everybody just assumed in 2017 he was going to be the guy. Um, Harold did recruit out of Alabama, and then he, he just wasn't able to do it, got injured early, and then you saw just what Jonathan Taylor could do, and he was kind of pushed into – reserve territory until um, eventually getting hurt in the end of the season and missed all of 2018 to for him to kind of fight back and really bounce back in 2019 you know he only played in seven games and only had 116 yards but it's a testament to the type of person he is he's really nice guy really well spoken really smart Um, I think he's going to do well somewhere I think it'd make a lot of sense if he went um closer to home into a, a lower level school where he can kind of be the guy, be the running back, you know, a team like a UAB or as a Sunbelt squad would make a lot of sense. So I, I wish nothing but for the best for him. And I know a lot of people are going to always re- reminisce or remember that, that Nebraska game where he, you know, he really had some nice runs and, and ran for two touchdowns. So, you know, and then, oh, and the, um, do you remember his, the game where he had the somersault in the end zone um, as well? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was he's he's had a you know a tough career and you know you you look at guys that the transfer and to to me his his makes a lot of sense and you kind of you kind of hope he bounces back. I would love to you know watch him you know find some footing like you said at a Sun Belt school being from Alabama. I think that would make a ton of sense and I know he didn't see a lot of the field for the Badgers this season, but he was he was a guy that really provided some some rah-rah and moral support for this team. Uh, you know, obviously you saw when he got worked into games, you know, later, later on and, 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 and not in garbage time, but that is kind of the term that people use. 
uh, how supportive his teammates were for him to get on the field and, and make some contributions. So uh, I really hope that, you know, for a guy that's battled, you know, with so many injuries in Bradger Shaw, that, that he, he finds a home that he's comfortable with and, and is able to contribute to, to a team because he was, you know, before Jonathan Taylor burst on the scene, you know, he was the guy that everyone expected to be that next Badger running back. And, you know, you got to think if he's healthy, he's hopefully got a little bit more in the tank where he can, he can maybe contribute at, at that level. So you got to wish him, you know, for the best. And hopefully we see him, you know, contributing to a team like that on Saturdays. Yeah, and I mean, he also was in some different uh, special teams packages, and, you know, he, he's just a guy who's going to be missed. He brought a lot, and, you know, he's got a sixth year because of the new NCAA rules rules commission put together uh, to kind of be more player-friendly to allow the guys to get a sixth year of eligibility, and I think kudos to him, and I hope nothing but the best for him. Exactly. What did you make of uh, tight end Seth Kearns announcing his intent to transfer? Obviously, that's another one, a little bit more of a different situation, but um, you know, another another departure for the Badgers. What did you make of of his you know his uh, intention to leave the program? You know, I mean, I, I can't fault a, a young person to make a decision in kind of his his spot. He's an upperclassman. He's a rising senior. Um, you know, he's out of out of Ohio. He's he's was relegated to tight end which is definitely not a position that when he came in anybody thought he would be in you know he's only at like 6'3 and he came in at like 210 pounds and was a safety and then eventually kind of got surpassed there and kind of got lost in the depth chart so they put tried him at inside linebacker kind of same basic concept got uh, added some weight couldn't kind of find his footing there and so they tried tight end when everybody in the and their mother was hurt uh, on the sidelines and that didn't really, you know, turn into anything. So he was, he was in a, pretty much every special teams and he's a really good guy. And I hope nothing but the best for him. I'm not totally sure if he graduated, you know, as he, he would be in his fourth year of the program this year. So there's a chance he would graduate this uh, spring, which I would assume so. So he's probably a graduate transfer and probably looking to maybe find some, a home in the, the Mac or somewhere else where he can, hopefully get some more playing time as a defender or even possibly as a tight end or fullback. Yeah. I mean, he, he's definitely a kid that has, has been worked into, like you mentioned, a lot of different positions and, you know, there, there probably wasn't a path for him to see a lot of the field uh, at Wisconsin. If, if we're being honest here with, with where he was at in, in terms of the bouncing around and then working through injuries. So uh, it seems like a guy like that is, is really just looking for a fresh start where he can, Get it, get into a position that he feels comfortable with, and you know, you mentioned he's on a lot of special teams. He's a fairly athletic kid. You, you talked, we talked about the different positions that he played. So he, he'll find a, a home somewhere. Like I said, or you said, the the Mac. That's probably a good spot uh, for a kid like that, and, and maybe he finds a place that he'll be able to flourish and, and make some plays. So you know, anytime a guy leaves, you you wish him nothing but the best, and It'll be it'll be interesting. Obviously, the Badgers have been hit with some transfers already uh, with him and, and Christian Bell and Aaron Cruikshank. But again, these are all guys that that are we're just looking for for the shot that they that they want, and you can't fault them. And really, you just you you hope they do well at at their next spot. Yeah, and especially with Shaw, and I'm assuming that um, 
Uh, Curran's will also be a, a graduate. It's, it's, you got these kids, you know, did everything for the program for four or five years, got their degree, and they, they just want a shot to go play and can't fault any kid for that. And, and if you look at it, Wisconsin's still, I think, about two over their scholarship allotment. So there's, it's not done. You're probably going to see a couple other upperclassmen probably leave. Um, you know, I'm not going to speculate as to who might do it or anything like that, but usually there's attrition. It's, it happens every year and fans shouldn't be, um, you know, enraged by it or anything like that. It's usually indicative of how much talent there is behind some of these guys that, Hey, they're looking at it and like, I'm probably not going to see, um, you know, a lot of opportunities on this roster based off of who's all behind me and the youth, um, and who's playing. So let's go try to find greener pastures. So it's, it's, it's a good problem to have when it's guys who are upperclassmen trying to, to find a place to play. It's not necessarily what you want when it's a guy like Aaron Quickshank, but um, you know, this is, this is part of the, you know, if college football is the business, it's part of the business. Yep, it is. And it's part of the business, both for, for the school and trying to get the right guys in the right spot, but also for the players to, to get in a place to feel comfortable and to get their opportunities. So obviously we both wish both of those guys, all the best as they move on to their next endeavor. And we hope to see them on the fields, you know, having success on Saturdays. Anything else to touch on Matt or else we'll, uh, we'll wrap up another episode of Bucky's fifth podcast. And we'll be back with uh, the listeners on uh, Friday. Um, just, I guess just came out uh, today. So if you're hearing this, it'll be tomorrow most likely, but um, uh, Jack Nelson getting his fifth star from two, four sevens, a very cool thing for an in-state uh, product to get, you know, that's something that isn't just uh grown on trees. There's 32 of them. And for him to be recognized as one of the top 32 players in the country is a really cool honor for him already on campus as an early enrollee. He's going to be a player to definitely monitor. And it's very cool to see Wisconsin get back to back five stars. And it shows just the health of the program in a lot of ways. Uh, I think Paul Crest is doing a really good job recruiting and Wisconsin is, you know, they were ranked, I think in the, you know, mid or uh, to upper twenties uh, last year. And for this year, they're pretty much in that mid twenties again. So we're seeing a steadily steady improvement of uh, talent coming in. And it's part of the reason why you're seeing some guys leave. So there's nothing to be upset about in terms of these transfers, but rather also be excited about some of the young guys coming in. Yeah, exactly. You know, Jack Nelson's yeah, probably the, the, the player to watch in this class, and it, it's obviously exciting when you're landing five-star kids because you look at Wisconsin a few years ago, they weren't really nabbing uh, a ton of those guys. And obviously the position uh, of offensive line is, is what the Badgers do better than better than pretty much anyone. So it's exciting to see uh, as this guy, you know, as Jack gets on campus and, and really starts to make an impact, he'll be, he'll be a name to watch for for sure. That wraps up another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast, guys. As we mentioned, we will be back on Friday. You know, this was a full basketball episode with a little bit of football stuff. Uh, this next one will be a, a full football episode and, and maybe some touch on some basketball stuff, depending on how some news shakes out. Uh, but thank you guys for listening, as always, on Wisconsin.